Welcome back, everyone, to another Welcome to the J episode. Today, we have a very, very, very special guest. But before we get into it, make sure to like and subscribe to the Field of Six Day Media Network so you can get content such as this. Someone representing their alma mater talking basketball and everything in between. Today, season number two of the Welcome to the J podcast. He is our 13th guest of season two. He is a sharpshooter extraordinaire. He is the definition of a Shooter U alum. He is a member of Team Liddy, a J Lifer, BP's most wanted. Isaiah Gearson sent it to the J with you. What up, brother? Oh, that's quite the introduction. That's quite the intro. <laughs> Brooklyn Park's most wanted, bro. The most wanted. Wow. I guess uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Yo, I'm laughing so much because I already know what kind of day it's going to be today. Like, anytime you step into the pot with me, bro, it's a good time. You already know. Anytime I talk with you, it's a good time. I had to get my my public uh, speech out. I, I made sure I got I to gotta keep it. PG. I'm so used to just letting it fly. Well, the beautiful thing about having a podcast is one, we can edit things if it gets a little too rowdy. And number two, <laughs> this is not a PG podcast. I don't know if you've listened to the uh, other one, but we're kind of allowed to do whatever you want here. Case in point. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, lucky you. Well, it is 10 o'clock at night as I'm recording this and it's like, what, 3 p.m. or something like that over there? Where it's, you are? Yeah, literally 3.15. Yeah, so a little early for you. Well, perfect I gotta time catch up. for me. We're on your time. I got to catch up. Oh. <laughs> I guess you have to be on the host's time for real, for real, I guess. How you been, bro? How you holding up? Chilling, man. Chilling another day. Trying to stay out of trouble. I know these Minnesota streets be crazy. Oh, well, I guess I'm most wanted, so I guess I haven't, uh, I haven't really stayed out of trouble. I didn't even know, but trying to trying to stay out of it uh it's unfortunate but we do have to talk about this you know i hate to come on the podcast and remember some of the losses that we've had but the boys played on saturday on the road in cincinnati versus xavier uh they lose 80 to 73 they turned the ball over 21 times which as we all know is just a recipe for disaster you know this is one of those things that makes coach max head spin what do you think this week has been like for Coach Mack and his staff? And what do you think they've been working on in practices leading up to the next game? You know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not an expert, but I have been there. And uh, I'm going to assume that the boys had a nice day the next day at practice, uh, getting the legs loose and getting a, a few sprints in uh, for every turnover. But, um, no, I'm sure that they just worked on getting back to the fundamentals, which we always did when we had bad games where we had a bunch of turnovers. Just you got to take care of the basketball. You got to value the ball. And, you know, obviously it's not like they're trying to turn the ball over. But, um, you know, Cincinnati, Xavier's a, a tough place. So it's always, you know, the crowd's right there on you. And so I'm sure that uh, Mac had a, had a very pointed talk with them uh, the next day. And I'm sure that they're – They'll be better. I can only imagine the film session. Like when I was watching the game on Saturday, I was like, man, there's a lot of stuff out here that Coach Mack is really going to harp on these guys about. I know that you and I were both in those guys' shoes. Oh. So <laughs> what do you remember from you know, those you moments? Know, 
you know going into the film session you're like just thinking back and you're remembering all the times that you screwed up and you're like oh man this is gonna be a a nice film session for me i remember i used to like i knew exactly what i messed up at during the game and i would kind of look at the game clock in film <laughs> and pray to god that he would skip over <laughs> Nah, I wouldn't Skip do that. I know, I know going back, I'd be like, oh, no. That's, that's I'm wild. Like, looking I'm at like, the oh. turnover, <laughs> like, running back, looking at the clock, like, <laughs> all right, 6.30, okay. That's like, bro, that's exactly what I did. I would go be like, I'd look at the clock and be like, 16 minutes. <laughs> okay, that was a bad one. Okay, let's see. So when we got to film and he'd go the from only... like 17 to like 14, I was like, oh, he skipped mine. He, no, he didn't remember that, mine. The only the only time I'd look is if it's like getting close to a, a media timeout. And I'd be like, okay, now I have to hear that in timeout. But if it was like right after, I'd be like, okay, I'm good unless he subs me out, then I'll have to hear it. But uh, I can get a couple minutes in before he says anything. I'll be honest, I'd much rather have heard the rap of Coach Mack during the media timeout than to point it back again on film the next day. Like, if I oh, ever had a choice between those two. I don't, I, don't, I don't think people understand how bad those film sessions are. Just, like, obviously, it's not like it's, like, over the top, but it's just mm-hmm. the way you feel. You're like, I feel like a dumbass. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, not only is it that, but it's like you're obviously sitting there around your teammates who are also like getting the same visual. And when you are like, I don't like the guinea pig, let's say like, so to speak, because of a mistake of something that he wants to make sure that nobody else does, he will play it, he'll review it. He'll have the assistant coaches comment well, on it. Yeah, he'll ask you going, what you did wrong. There, right, you know? Going back and watching the film, you can pause it and look at it. And then he'll pause yeah. it and be like, what were you thinking? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, well, you kind of make me look like a dumbass, but uh, at the time. <laughs> yeah, and it's so hard to remember what you were thinking at the time because, some, I mean, I just remember some of my egregious mistakes. Like, what was I, why was I there? You know, like, why was I even in a position to make that mistake? But you just be taxed. At 21, oh, team tax, 21 <laughs> turnovers. So, you know that the guys had, like you just said, like, for sure they talked about it, for sure got brought up in field sessions. And, you know, on the practice floor, Coach Mack is a, you know, he's a stickler for making sure that things are done the right way. So I can only imagine the reps that they had to go through to try and limit those turnovers. No. And the crazy thing about turnovers is it's, it has this weird snowball effect where, like, if you start off the game and, like, before the first media timeout, there's one, two, three turnovers already. You can best believe that, you know, it takes a special team to be able to, like, cut that off after that first media timeout and right the ship uh unfortunately for us right now we're still a young team that's learning to play together so those turnovers just kept piling up piling up as the game went on and it's not the first time that we've seen the Jays go through that so what do you think is the remedy here well I mean you you said it it's a young team um it doesn't happen overnight you don't you don't have just one game of it it'll be you know multiple games now you try to limit those as much as you can obviously but you know a young team they gotta they gotta kind of feel their way they have to kind of build what what we had that your senior year where we just had the ability to you know call a timeout and everyone sit down and be like all right let's just settle back in and being a young team they'll they'll slowly pick up on that and start to learn what they can and can't do 
Do you remember what I used to say in those huddles and in those timeouts whenever things were going a little wrong? Well, I mean, what didn't you say? But what specific? <laughs> I would I would always go back in and be like, guys, we've been here before. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's always a given. I, I feel a little bad for our listeners today because there's going to be so much laughing. I wonder if they're even going to like get anything out of this conversation. Aside from, oh, I guess Jay and Isaiah are really good friends. <laughs> they're really like the best of friends because there's just going to be too much laughter going on. Well, they'll, they'll get some some pieces of information in between, but then they'll get a, a joke or two that they just won't get. You know the uh, phrase, you know, basketball is a game of runs. I think we've all heard that, obviously, in our careers. None was more evident than the game that we just saw on Saturday where it just – the get, the Jays start off with Xavier going on 9-0 run against them. Then they fire off like a 17-2 run. And then the game is just – that's how it goes, like the entire game. Does it kind of feel like the game slept through our fingers this time around because, you know, Xavier put that last run against us and we just weren't, didn't have enough time to, to answer it and to go on a run of our own. Yeah, I mean, it, a little bit. It, it's more, we, you know, you already touched on it. It's a young team, so it's not like they understand fully because they haven't been in many of these situations. And obviously they have, but not quite this certain situation, a lot of turnovers, they have to find a way to stop the bleeding and kind of go on their own run. And so, it, yeah, but, you know, you just – you learn and you tip your cap to, to Xavier and you just try to make sure that you don't turn the ball over the next time or you try to stop their run and go on your own before, you know, the time runs out on you. The one thing that really stuck out at me was Xavier's bench outscored our bench 25 to 5. Now, you and I have both spent some time in our careers coming off the bench. What are some of the advice that you give to those guys who maybe don't quite understand the importance of their play just yet uh, to be able to maintain that good level of play, if not up that good level of play once they do have a chance to come onto the court? Oh, you, you just got to tell them that they need to be ready. Um, you never know. You know, you might get one minute you know, for a couple games and then all of a sudden you might come into a game like that and you need, you know, they need 20 minutes out of you and you just have to be ready and you got to bring, you got to bring energy and bring something different to the game that, you know, whoever you're replacing isn't or, you know, just something different than what they're bringing. So for that game, obviously getting outscored like that, I mean, you got to, you got to just come in with an energy and, not saying you got to come in and shoot every time you touch it, but, you know, just be being aggressive and, and knowing what you what your team needs and, and try to bring that spark off the bench. Wait, are you saying you, Isaiah Zierden, are suggesting to not shoot the ball every time you touch it? Um, I, I don't think I'd ever I heard that from you. <laughs> I didn't say if you're open, shoot it. That's not what I'm saying. But <laughs> I didn't say come in your first time touching the ball and shoot a 35-footer. That's not what I'm saying. Unless you want. I, I, there it is. <laughs> I knew there was a caveat there somewhere. Unless, unless you get wide open and in rhythm, then you got it. The Isaiah, the Isaiah that I remember and uh, Isaiah that I like vividly remember walking around campus with a bunch of Kobe shirts and talking about Kobe mentality and all that <laughs> stuff and mama mentality. 
I knew the first time you touched the ball, if you had a chance, it was going up for sure. Because that's the kind of confidence that you have. But I mean, I do understand your point of like, you know, whoever you're coming in replacing, you you have to pay attention really to the flow of the game, what's going on um, out there so that when you step in, you can be, you know, what, while everybody's zigging, you're that zag. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's not kind always... Of, it's not always scoring, you know, like some, sometimes it's just coming in and, and getting a, a few defensive stops so that, you know, your team can get a little momentum and, and get on that run um, before, you know, to stop theirs and get on your own run before time you know, runs out on you. But it's just little things each game. Maybe, maybe you're not defensive, you know, you're solid, but you're not scoring. You're just, you know, being a facilitator. You just have to kind of feel the game out and, and, coming off the bench, you're able to kind of see how the game is going before you get to hop in. So you just got to be ready. I know that one thing that I really focus on, like in my career as a collegiate athlete and as a pro athlete as well, the times that I had to come off the bench, instead of focusing on my own individual numbers, I always focus on my plus minus because that kind of gave me an idea of, you know, what kind of impact I had while I was on and, you know, sometimes those numbers can be a little fluky for sure, but more often than not, it really kind of tells the story of while you were on the court, you know, with the lineup that was around you, how well the team played. Do you think that maybe that's something that those guys, like you said, instead of maybe individual numbers, that's something that if they focus on that a little bit, it'll give them a different mindset about what kind of impact they can have on the floor. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that goes from being a statistics of your own to looking at the team. Um now, plus minus, obviously, can be always a little skewed, but for the most part, you know, when you come in, it'll show what, what kind of an impact you had. Either you came off the bench not ready to play and, you know, they ended up going on a run and you're a minus 10 and that's the last time you see the floor or, you know, you make an impact, a positive impact and, you know, you guys go on a run and you get to get to play more. So, I mean, but again, that's just young kids they're they're gonna they're gonna learn throughout the, the course of their career what they what they need to do and what they can't do when they come in before we move on to our next topic let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at bet rivers sportsbook if you haven't signed up yet with bet rivers now's the time because they're offering a 250 dollars match bonus for your first deposit but what sets them apart is that they require just one play through to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call telephone number 1-800-GAMBLER. So despite his five turnovers, which is obviously really, really high, I was very impressed with Alex O'Connell in this one, 22.6 rebounds. Uh, we've seen that he's taken, you know, the challenge of being the best defensive player out on the floor, defending the opposition's best offensive player, especially during Sharif's uh, absence where, you know, those are kind of the role. That was the role that Sharif used to play. Alex right. has really stepped up into that role and he's done the best job out of all of the Jays in my opinion so far but obviously it's nice to see his offense kind of catch up with his defense so to speak you and I both uh, at different points in our careers had to play that role where we had to be the best defensive player on, on the court 
and or at the very least try our try our best i know you're smirking over there <laughs> team, but at the very defense, least right <laughs> yeah exactly no but i mean that is a big part of it is to have team content and to understand positioning and to funnel guys in certain areas if you weren't that shut down i i don't consider myself being the you know sharif mitchell Kyrie thomas i don't consider myself to be that guy at all but I do, I did understand, you know, where guys needed to go and where I needed to funnel them for our team defense to be successful. So as a guy who had that similar role, can you kind of explain to the audience out there how difficult it is to be in a three and D or a, a guy that plays both sides of the floor in a coach Mac offense? No, I mean, it's, you have to be in shape. There's no, there's no, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you didn't think you needed to be in shape, just, you know, with, with our pace of, of offense, you, you have no idea, you know, having to guard the other team's best player or second best player and chase them off screens. And then, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's, that's the number one thing, but number two is, you know, I tried to, I always tried to like watch the film and, and see what obviously their plays. We tried to go over that, you know, uh, in practice, but just kind of watch like their tendencies and where, you know, where they like to get a lot of their shots so that I knew mentally, because I obviously wasn't the most athletic defender. I had to be, you know, smarter and try to figure out different angles. And then obviously, like you said, try to force them to, to my help, know where my help is on certain plays. And if it's nice, so try to force them back middle or, you know, whatever the, the situation was, then it, then it becomes a team defensive uh, situation. I love that we're talking about this because like it, it takes uh, a lot of patience one to kind of understand your what you are good at and what you're bad at defensively let's just put it that way like for me like I was really good at chasing shooters around and all that stuff and that might not be everybody's strength what I sucked at especially back then was keeping guys in front of me like in an ISO one-on-one situation so those guys were always the toughest ones to guard so I would kind of you know, lean over to Mac and be like, hey, can, can I switch my matchup? And, you know, <laughs> so there is, you know, like for a guy like Alex, uh, I think in the Nebraska game early on in the season, we saw that he was getting backdoored a lot uh, because he was over aggressive on those shooters coming up high and trying to deny handoffs yeah. and whatnot. He's done yeah. such a much better job in these last handful of games of, you know, making sure that his butt's to the baseline and he's spelling everything up the floor as opposed to, you know, getting caught on cheap backdoors and allowing the offensive player to get started that way. Because, you know, as an offensive player, you just have to see the ball go in the bucket one time and you feel like right. you're the hottest man out there, right? All right? Once you see it go in, then it's it's got to keep going up. And I'm thankful that our coaching staff, like you mentioned, did bring us some of us, did bring some of us to their offices individually in order to watch a little bit more film so we can understand tendencies and, you know, what guys are struggling with and what they don't like. And it makes all that stuff a lot easier on game day. So giving you your flowers right now, Alex O'Connell, shout out to you for, you know, the defensive effort that you've put up. And obviously, as Isaiah mentioned, you got to be in shape to be able to knock down those shots and to still be, you know, a threat offensively. Anything else to say on it? Well, I don't, I don't want to get him in trouble with Mac, but uh, if he's listening or, you know, tunes in, uh, you're chasing somebody just you know make sure you're trailing on the outside that you're there just enough to deny so they don't throw it and then your job's done and then you can kind of play help defense but I just didn't hear from me 
Yeah, no. The easiest part is not having him catch it, and that's oh, something yeah. that <laughs> yeah, that's half sure the battle you, right if, there. If you if you chase perfectly and you get your arm in there, they won't throw it, and then you play help. We have some fans that tuned in, knowing that you're going to be on the show today. Ask some questions on Twitter, so we're gonna turn it over to some of those questions. We have some really good, interesting questions uh, this week, so I appreciate you guys who are always dropping questions for the guest on the Welcome to the J podcast. Uh, these questions are for you and I, Isaiah. So let's just try and go through them and see if we could provide a little bit of uh, a few answers in, in the categories that we can. Uh, Steve at SLIOI1017 on Twitter uh, says, we'd love to hear your thoughts about something. No doubt Blue Jay men's basketball is trending upwards. Sweet 16, best recruiting class future looking bright nil deals will also help attract players to omaha what will it take and this is the question well it what will it take for crane to become a gonzaga type of program uh he says in my opinion omaha is better than spokane our facilities are just as nice or better schools are very similar as far as what they offer but what does crane need to do to become a legitimate contender year after year talking about you know sweet 16 elite eight and beyond so before I give my thoughts, you're the guest. I definitely have to give you first say on this. What do you think is missing for us to become one of those programs that year after year, we're always competing? Like the NCAA tournament, it, it's, it's a done deal. We're going to be in it. Like, you know what I mean? Like those types of teams that he's talking about, like Gonzaga, they never have to worry about that per se. But like for us to make a Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Four type run, what, what is it that we're missing in Omaha? You, you want my honest opinion or... However you want to go with it. Honest, you can uh, make I mean, a joke about just, it if you want to go back to being honest. No, I mean, you're, you're, the Big East is – they're, they're in the easy, one of the easiest conferences. And so it's like a cakewalk for them every year. Now, granted, they, they play some good teams early in the season and they have mm-hmm. to, you know, win those games. But even if they lose, they, they don't have anything to worry about because their conference, they're always going to be winning in the conference. So mm-hmm. it, it's a little different for – Big East, obviously, you know, the Big East can get, you know, four or five, six teams in, but um, it's always, you're not always going to be a, a 30 and, you know, one team when you play in the Big East. The, the Big East is just too good. So if you want to, I mean, if we were wanted to be like that, we could just move, change conferences and, and find a conference like that. But I, I think we're, we're, always going to be good at just our conference is way better uh so when i first saw that question i didn't necessarily have that line of thought but i love uh the fact that you thought about this i love that you just have a different you know train of thought than i do because i was just thinking more of the lines of like the players that we attract how do we cultivate that culture you know and, and things of that nature because i've always seen gonzaga teams to be really tough teams who know exactly who they are come March. And that's why they're such a tough out in the March Madness is because by that point, they're super experienced. They play together for a couple of years. Uh, and what they do is they just keep reloading. They'll have a really good senior class, but at the same time, they'll bring in some freshmen who just sort of kind of fit in. And then by the time those freshmen are sophomores and juniors, then they do it all over again. So that's kind of more of my line of thinking, but, I mean, I guess you're right. West Coast Conference versus Big East. Two very different animals. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's no joke. Um, but like, you know, what you're, what you're saying, I mean, last year or two years ago, they, I mean, they, for the last couple of years, it's kind of been a little different. Um, they've kind of brought in some, some freshmen with firepower and it's not necessarily the, you know, junior, senior class. And then they kind of refilter. It's kind of been the, the freshmen, sophomores, and then they kind of leave and then they have to find new guys. But yeah, I mean, that's, them and, and St. Mary's, I feel like, has kind of always been that way, where they kind of, you know, have those junior seniors, they reload and kind of just do it all over again. But isn't that kind of like the landscape of NCAA basketball as a whole is we are seeing so much more of a push to getting young, talented guys. Oh, I mean, trans- no, for sure. For trans- sure. Class is the same thing, right? Yeah, I wasn't meaning it to, to disagree with you. I was just saying the, mm-hmm. the difference the last couple of years for them, so... Normally, I, yeah, they they do the, you know, junior, senior, then they graduate and then they reload. But the last couple of years, obviously, just the, the difference. So the other thing that fans, you know, if we are going to compare ourselves to a program like Gonzaga, which is not the first time I've heard this comparison. Uh, this is kind of a conversation that comes up anytime I have a chance to talk to fans about it. So I will say this. Coach Few has been at Gonzaga for what? 20, 30, whatever years, how long has he been there for? Like a really, really long time, really built that program from the ground up to right. finally get it to where it is nowadays. I'm sure if you asked him this question a decade into his tenure over there, he would have been like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, a, a team that's going to be final four bound. Of course, every, every coach would want that to happen right. for their program, but right. it's a very difficult task to have done, right? Right. No, especially when you look at it, just based on the, the question that Omaha is better than, than Spokane and the facilities. So, I mean, they do, they do a great job and, and they get players that, that fit their, their system, but also, you know, have talent to, to be, you know, NBA and, and professional players after. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not discrediting anything that they've done. It's just, you know, every year the conference is, a different different animal than the big east being the big east so wow i have a question to ask you then do you think the valley was tougher than the west coast conference as well or how do you feel about the comparing those two because we were in the valley before and we didn't quite reach those high seconds zaga did right i mean you're you're catching me with i was red shirt the last year in the valley so I ain't get to see, yeah, I ain't get to see all of it, but I, I will say that the Wichita State teams were were pretty damn good, so it wasn't like, you know, the the Valley as a whole was just not good, but you know, again, I'm not meaning to discredit them, but it kind of is what it is. The yeah. other than them, and you know. Not not a not a whole lot of big names coming out. Steve has another question. This is one specifically for you, Isaiah. Uh, he says that you were one of the most resilient players that he's ever seen wear a Jays uniform. No injuries kept you down. You always made a comeback. Your attitude was always positive. What kept you motivated? Uh, and what advice would you give these young players as they face unexpected adversities? Um, well, first, uh, you know, the, what I tell the young kids, I mean, 
adversity is always going to happen. It's just how you handle it and bounce back from it. Um, it might, you know, it comes in different shapes and forms and it'll hit you at different times, but you just have to, to find a way to, to put your head down and, and get through it and get back to doing what you want to do and, and doing, you know, playing basketball was, was my thing. So I knew, um, that was, that was what I wanted to do. Um, that was my love. So every time I had an injury, it was focus on what I have to get back to, you know, get back to playing what I had to do. And, um, that, that Mamba mentality of no one thinks I can come back. Well, show them that I can. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was kind of my, my thing going through it is, you know, nobody thinks I'll come back from, you know, the knee injury. No one thinks I'll come back from it the second time. And then you just, you just find a way. It's a little eerie that we're having you on the podcast talking about the Xavier game. And I just now remembering that that was the first time that my heart was broken when I saw you go down. Uh, I think it was a dislocated kneecap or yeah, right on. That was the very first yeah. time. And then obviously we have the labrum issues further down your career, more knee issues and stuff like that. Uh, You just mentioned about like, oh, nobody thinks I could come back. I'm about to prove everybody wrong. But on those dog days of rehab, like, did you ever think to yourself like, man, like this, this might be a little bit even too much, even for me. There's always, everybody goes through it with injuries. It's, you know, you obviously, you got a bunch of people who you got, first off, you got to have people around you that, that care and that are, that have your back. And, and that was, you know, you and Mo always kept me, you know, kept my head level so that I wasn't always, you know, depressed or, you know, thinking I couldn't come back, but everyone goes through those days where it's just rehabs awful, your, you know, your body, whatever injury feels terrible. And you just, you go back to your room and you just sit there and you just think like, wow, maybe, you know, maybe I, I can't. Maybe I can't do it. And then, you know, it kind of just, you go to bed, you wake up and it's like, okay, all right, I'm back. It's a new day. Just do it again. We'll get better. Uh, So that's just more on the uh, injury side of it. But, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things that could happen uh, that are more or less unexpected. Uh, Do you have any examples of some that you were just like, whoa, like I didn't see that coming and and it kind of affected you on a day-to-day basis or maybe like your play and whatnot? Um, I mean, yeah, personal issues. They're uh, like just, there's always, I always tried to do, you know, it's always tough, but you always, I always tried to separate, you know, personal life and, and things off the court so that when I stepped on the court, that was all I was thinking about is, is what, you know, playing basketball or if I was injured, it was getting to the training room and then I'd focus on what I have to do to get back to playing. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, there were a few things in personal life that, that were kind of affected, but I, I always tried to, and I, felt like I did a pretty good job of keeping it separate, but um, I don't know like what to tell somebody <laughs> about that. Cause I don't know. Everyone handles things differently. So. All right. Uh, those are very good questions, Steve. We appreciate that. Another Steve, Steve Swanigan on Twitter uh, is asking uh, what do you think the peak is for this team this season? 
And he also wants to know a good practice story from either you or I, or maybe the both of us. So for this year's team, we've seen them have some ups. We've seen them have some downs. We've seen them beat Nebraska handily. Uh, we've seen them beat Nova handily at home, but we also see them lose a close game to Arizona State, which they should have won in my opinion. And we saw what Villanova uh, did to them on the road in Philly. And then just this past example on the road at Cincinnati, or sorry, in Cincinnati at Xavier. Right. Uh, so what is the peak for the boys in your honest opinion, Isaiah Zierden? Like what it depends on, you know, if we're just looking for like what it could be. Um, obviously any, any team can make a run. You just, you got to get hot at the right time. Um, mm-hmm. But peak, I don't know. Here, I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it into tiers for you. Uh, so right now, uh, I need to look up the standings real quick. But I think that we are fourth or tied for fourth in the Big East with a two and two record, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let's see here. So first, I will ask you, where do you think they're going to end the regular season? At ranked in the Big East, I would I would think right around that that three four five spot. I don't think mm-hmm. that obviously you know Nova's always going to be right there for for one and two, um, but I, I don't think three four or five. I don't think that's far fetched. I don't think that's like a a crazy thought. Um, that's all right. So me. That, that's pretty good. Now, how about for Big East tournament? Do you think the boys have a chance to make a run at a championship? Well, I mean, everyone always has a chance. <laughs> everyone I mean, has a chance, chance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and just kind of, you know, squash the – you never know. You never know. That's the thing about being asked these questions is, one, we're so biased. <laughs> so that's the right, like, one. I'm, I'm not going to We're going to finish I know, and uh, I think it's going to be trash. Every single year when I do the ESPN like brackets or whatever, I have like five or six brackets where somehow, some way the boys <laughs> go through it all and we're winning every championship. Like, you know what I mean? So uh, we're super biased about this. But if I have to be realistic right now with where things are, Villanova is always going to be a strong team. We got to split against them. We just lost at Xavier. Uh, this team has a chance to be a top three team for sure. But now what we have to really be careful about is like we talked about in the open their turnovers their lack of consistency and how quickly they're going to be able to gel together and really you know have a chance to to come together play the right way understand what each and every single role is those are going to be the things that if they're able to uh put that all together makes me think that they could easily be a top three seed and they were projected to be number eight in the conference i had a conversation with coach back in the summer uh, about where he thought his team was going to be. He was pretty shocked when he went to the Big East Media Day that they were going to be number eight. So I know he's using that as bulletin board material oh, every single day. But yeah, I think a top three team in the Big East is will put this team way ahead of schedule, especially with the talent that they have coming back like next year if they decide to stick together, right? Right. No, and I, any, any little bit of you know momentum and, and confidence building towards the end of this year that just makes it better for for the guys coming back and, and you know growing in, into next year so mm-hmm. again that I, any, any run that they can make at the end of the year is always a positive so I don't know 
that's why I was saying, I don't know like what the peak is because it, mm-hmm. for you hope that you make a run and then no matter what it, it translates and, and carries over in the next year with, with the guys who are coming back and, and, you know, because they're young guys that they can, you know, grow and mature and, and pick that up. But to answer the questions more concretely, very biased opinion. We're winning it all. <laughs> we're winning it all. We're just making it a huge run and winning. Oh, we're winning it all, boys. Let's go, boys. I'm rolling with you guys, yo. I'm putting all my chips in the middle of the table. Right here, right now. Most biased opinion in field of 68 media network history. The Jays are winning it all. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, something crazy or cool, funny that's happened in practice, Isaiah. I'm going to let you go first. I'm trying to think of, you know. My my favorite practice of all time was, for whatever reason, we, like, we had to fly out early. I think we were trying to avoid, like, a snowstorm or something like that. So our practice was, like, at, like, 11.30, as opposed to it being, like, we have class all day, we practice, and then we fly out, which is what a regular, like, road game situation would be like. And... Uh, <laughs> This was Will Artino. I'm throwing you under the bus, buddy. Uh, this was a, a practice where Will was not performing too well and the coaching staff was kind of getting on him. <laughs> the, the main reason that he used as to why it wasn't working out was that his eggs weren't cooked well enough at the dining hall. <laughs> So, oh so there God. you go. That's my practice story. And Will, come, hey, Will, you're 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 guest on the show. You are, you have free range to come back on the show and defend yourself, whatever you want, bro. Come back and explain that story. But that, that's what I remember I from. I don't that know practice. why everyone makes that. It, what they weren't cooked. I don't. If the eggs were cooked, how can you expect them to practice well, dude? <laughs> that's his first meal of the day. That's the most important meal of the day. That is the most important. So that's yeah. my practice story that I got. I, I just, you know, I don't know whether or not to. Are you, are you scared to call somebody out, Isaiah? No, it would have been us. That's my thing. It would have, I wouldn't have called anyone out. It would have just been us. Me, you, oh. and Mark. There was. I, right, uh, I can think of was... a couple of practices when I looked over at you and you were gassed. <laughs> The, the story of practice that I'm thinking of is, you know, we had a, a decent night uh, and they found out. And so we were running the next day and I looked over to my left and Mo's just gassed up against the wall. And this is an old gym. And I looked to my right and you go, oh, I'm still drunk. <laughs> <laughs> As we're 20 minutes into running, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, man. We're all just but, getting hey, ready to yak. That, that's the one thing, though. That's the one thing that I do remember is, like, no matter what, if, like, sprints or whatever was our, the like, quote-unquote punishment, or, you know, sometimes, like, especially early in the season, it's just a matter of trying to get the boys back in shape. So, like, those ones are, I fully understand or whatever. But the one thing that I always told myself is that – they're never going to see me bow out because of a running exercise. Oh, like, no, I refuse to be the guy to run over to the trash can. I refuse to go be the guy to to show fatigue even. 
So like I remember like after sprints, I was just standing upright. Like just trying uh, to show everybody I, that I I'm still ready to I'll go. I'll show you I'm dead. I'll I'll have my hands on my knees, but then I'll get up and do it again. I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not gonna tap out and yeah, run to the trash can. But that was just that was one of those preseason practices that we had, and that just that was the first one that came to mind. That was just the funniest. So there it is, Steve Swanigan. I uh, appreciate the question. Uh, we have Sam Norland, and he's asking you, Isaiah, specifically, what's your most memorable shot hit uh, that you hit while in a Jays uniform? Uh, probably the, uh, the Oklahoma one at home. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, was was... Big, that was a big-time game. I remember staying up in Romania. That was my first time playing pro. First time that I... That was when I decided, hey, I'm staying up to watch these games. I don't care what time of night it is, but 4.30 a.m., sign me up. That, that was probably the, the one just because it was such a, a great game and for us to be able to come back against a, a ranked team like that during that year, that was, that's, probably, that's probably the one for me. Uh, Sam's got a second question, but it's so ridiculous, I kind of don't even want to ask it. <laughs> but... Oh. I when guess it, since I bigged it up, I need to do so. The second question he asks is, could you guys have beat Jordan's Bulls in a century link during the 2013-2014 season? We did go undefeated at home that year. So maybe that's Jordan, where he's kind of going with that. But Is Jordan playing or is he out or are they all I out? Mean, or? I, I would assume in this crazy <laughs> hypothetical, is, they're is all Ron playing. Out? Is, is Scotty out? Does that mean I'd have to defend Jordan, or would it be Greg Gibbs doing that? Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I think we could throw all 15 of us at him, and I don't think it's going to matter. <laughs> he would he would, he would, would be so upset, like the disrespect. Yeah, the, the audacity. Right, that he, we're on the court like, okay, with him. You think you think that you could even be in the question, and then you just go off for ninety points, and we'd be like, "All right, well, we tried." Yeah, this guy. You're talking ninety six Bulls versus 2013, 2014 Jays <laughs> at Century Link. Like, I mean, come on, could, that's such a ridiculous. Be, I shouldn't even have brought like, it up. No, it was just. Yeah, I mean, that's he's the go. It's not even a question. I, I shouldn't even have brought it up, to be honest. That It was a little bit of a waste of time to bring up that second question. But, Sam, we, we appreciate you, brother. Keep listening. I appreciate the question for sure. Uh, we talked about it a little bit with some of the Twitter questions, Isaiah, but I definitely have to uh, talk about this a little bit more with you since this happened so much in your career. There are so many ups and downs, obviously mainly due to injuries, but Aside from that being a factor uh, in your Creighton career, is there anything that you have, like, maybe as a regret, maybe that something you want to go back and change if you had a chance to? Um, Honestly, I mean, just those days when, you know, I'd do half practice, maybe doing a whole practice, knowing that it was going to end you know, in a few mm-hmm. years, but again, just the, the injuries, I just knew, you know, physically what I could and couldn't do. And, but otherwise, no, I don't, I wouldn't go back and change anything. I feel like that was, I, I left everything I could out there. So no regrets. Hell yeah. That's exactly how I feel. One thing that I know you do regret though, do you remember the summer after uh, you and I both graduated, we were living together because we we're both training, still playing pro. 
uh, we used to wake up in the morning. You were my training partner. I was your training partner. So we push each other in the weight room. We push each other uh, on the floor, different shooting competitions. But you know where I'm going at, where yeah, we really, on. really, really competed. FIFA and NHL. Yeah. Well, hang on now. We can't even, that's not even, the second part doesn't even count. You, you made it such an ugly game. It's such a beautiful game. NHL and it's just you know you made it so ugly it doesn't even <laughs> let the record show that I still have that scoreboard somewhere in my basement and uh, it's not looking too pretty for you well you know it, it is a great thing that we keep tallies going um yeah. it never ends but we're you know NHL we're just scratching that off it was so gross it was oh what do you mean it's such a beautiful game getting to the zone yeah, shoot as often as you possibly can pepper the goalie what do you yeah, mean I don't, I don't know enough about hockey to be able to to give it the respect I just know that you were disrespecting the Look. game the way that you were just shooting shots it was it was Listen. gross this is what you get for wanting to play a Canadian in hockey. Like, this is just simply what you get. I'm sorry, Isaiah, but you just have to learn your lesson. You have to not, go through your lesson. hockey. I, I'm from the land of hockey. <laughs> <That wasn't> hockey. <laughs> we got 10,000 lakes, and I've never seen hockey played that way on any of them. Bro, it's all about getting to the offensive office zone, dumping the puck in, chasing it against the board. No, 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 no. You weren't Bring you back to your point. Get a screen on the goalie. You weren't dumping the puck in. You were shooting from the other <laughs> blue line and then chasing. That's not dumping it in. <laughs> uh, it's a dumping a chase, difference. I see, as did. Huge See, this is, why people, this is why people tune into this podcast, is to hear this beautiful right. hockey talk that we're, uh, that we're giving them right now. Oh, speaking of that, uh, FIFA, your Arsenal is making a decent decent run this year now. I know Let's, you probably look. don't even pay attention because you don't care. No, I refuse. No, I care so much that I refuse. I'm not like Cowboys fans. You know, I'm not obnoxious. No, my, but I'm, I'm my being fandom. honest. You guys, you guys move back up into fifth. You're only three points out of fourth, and Hey, as long as you guys beat Man U, I could care less what your record is. <laughs> so this is when I know you're trolling me because when you say something along the lines of you guys are moving up to fifth, I know the idea is here. No, I know I, who you are. Okay. Sincere, you guys are in fifth. Sincere. <laughs> now you're not. You're not second, like you know, we are. They're but like Liverpool. You're yeah, you're moving up. Uh, well, then, uh, if you want to go there, let's talk about, I guess, you and I's Minnesota Vikings and Indianapolis Colts. Cause... Uh, it's trash. <laughs> At least you guys have a chance. Uh, what chance? How we have a chance when we lose to the 2-14 Jaguars? What chance is that? Well, you had a chance. You could have won, and <laughs> then you, That's you trash. could have had a chance to play. For those of you who happen to see my Instagram story, that is truly how I felt that day. I had my jersey on the whole day, anticipating it's such a great win. You know, the announcement that we're going to make the playoffs again. By the second half, that jersey was off of my body, thrown onto the hardwood in my apartment. <laughs> Bro, I was at so least, sad. But, like, at least you got to, like, the excitement of the possibility to keep playing. And, like, you know, that game, our season was already done. No, my I'm, week 11. Yeah, well... <laughs> we knew going into the year it wasn't a good one, but 
every year with being a Vikings fan, you just everyone gets your hopes up and then they just kick you in the nuts and you're like, all right, well, back to being a fan. Just gotta deal with it, I guess. Baby bro, I appreciate you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day to step back into the J with me. Bro, we need to do this more often because it's just too much jokes. Like I said, I apologize to the people who are listening to this podcast. There's just so much laughter. I don't know if you guys are getting much information out of this, but, you know, we, we had to do it to them. Marty, if, if you get nothing out of it other than we wouldn't beat the 95, 96 bulls, that's all you need to take out of them. There it is. Silver lining. We would not be Jordan's best team. Wow. Shocker. (laughs) Anything else that you need to say to the Blue Jay fans before we sign out? I appreciate you having me on. Go Jays. As always, go Jays. Make sure to like and and subscribe to the Field of 68 Media Network. Uh, Like I always say, I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate the questions. You guys have been awesome. Uh, if you guys keep enjoying what I have to say, I promise you all keep talking. I say that each and every podcast. So, uh, this was Isaiah Zierden, our 13th guest of season number two. I'm Jahan Z. Maniga, your host of the Welcome to the J podcast. Uh, and as always, stay safe and go Jays. Peace.